All right, no need to start again. How are you folks? You doing well? Excellent. Well, look, it's fantastic to be with you tonight, along with some of uh, my biological family. Um, we're all, if you're into Jesus here today and you love him, then we're all family. So we immediately get on well. Uh, but, um, but Rachel and, and Josh are here. Now, and this is really significant, um, particularly for, well, I won't tell how significant it is for Rach, but this is a place that had significant impact on who Rach is now in her faith and uh, the love for our kids and all that. So it already came through the Coro days of the um, mid-80s and stuff. So it goes back a little bit, to be honest, but uh, it's had a massive impact. So thank you for continuing that here. And so good to see some of you younger guys, probably teenagers and stuff, eh? Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. It's getting harder to tell. Now, um, uh, this week in our household uh, is a week that, some of you might be able to relate to. Hopefully you've all, all had the chance at some time in your life to relate to what our last week has been. And I'll just quickly find out if that's the case. or not, If not, I'll have to use some more descriptive words to describe it. But has anyone here ever been in a grand final? Okay, three of you. Good. This is going to... No, anyone been in a grand final? Come on, hands high. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great thing. Has anyone in their entire sporting career never had the chance to be in a grand final. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to, sorry to bring that up. <laughs> You've probably been dealing with that your whole life and now it's just the first thing. Well, look, this week in the Riggs household, there has, it is grand final week. Um, we're with the South Gawler football and netball team. So I'm not from around these parts. Um, we're from the north of Adelaide. And uh, South Gawler is our, is our local football and netball team. And uh, little Bella uh, is our youngest. She's 10. Um, and at 10 these days, they don't seem to think that you or the child can cope with the anguish of losing a grand final. So they don't have grand finals as 10-year-olds. Um, they have a ladder, though, and so they know who got first and second. Well, she got second, but didn't get a chance to play in a final. Uh, but our other two, Charlotte and Maddie, both were in netball grand finals on Saturday. And Josh, who's here today, amongst you, uh, played in the under-18s grand final against Nuriupta. 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 And it's been a big week. We've uh, been preparing our whole lives for this. Um, we, uh, we ate well all week. Uh, we kept our fluids up. Uh, pasta on two different types of pasta on Friday night. Had the ravioli and the spaghetti option. Uh, we had the pump-up music on the way to Freeling. Thanks, this new, amazing new thing. I don't know if you heard of it. Spotify, it's brilliant. Uh, and um, just a, with you guys. Um, so that's really good. Uh, and uh, plus, Rach and I, drawing on our long and illustrious sporting careers, um, or at least memories of them, uh, we, we gave our wisdom. Uh, and, uh, but what intrigued me most during the week, and what I was most interested to know, is uh, what, do you, what, do, what did your coaches say? Like, what... What was their word? So I'm just going to do a very quick thing. I know I've got limited time, but a quick question here. You've been in a grand final. You're the coach. What sort of things has your coach said to you before the grand final to just make sure you, you do everything you can to get over the line? What, what sort of things in the room? What inspirational things? Come on, let's draw back. It's a little while ago for some I know, but what's something that you would tell your team or you were once told? What do we got? Yeah. Don't lose. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> already ramping up the pressure. Uh, just don't stuff up. This is, don't embarrass me. That's good. And how did you go? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Not really surprised. Look, what about you? 
Oh, the old you got one chance. Yeah, again, this is it. This, one chance to prove yourself. Your whole identity's wrapped up in this, folks. You get one shot. You might only ever get one shot, right, Luke? One shot. Some of us never. But one shot you might get. May never happen again. Again, building up the pressure. Yes, ma'am. Oh, dear. There it is. Have fun. <laughs> now, we've been trying that one all week. It's not about the game. It's, a, it's an everyday game. Just have fun. But very positive. Like it. You know, you're still a winner tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Anything else? We've got one final one that just, I mean, you've been listening and some of you are sitting on this absolute gold and you think, now's my chance. Come on. What is it? Is there one more? Oh, Dave Boxall at the back. Ooh. Yeah, that was excellent. Okay, good. So just don't give up. Absolutely. All good. And look, all of our coaches over time and even ourselves, when we're trying to pep the, pep the young person, pep the person up for one last shot. And it's really significant because what we're really trying to do, actually, at the end of the day, we want you to keep hanging in there long enough. And if you keep hanging there long enough and if you persevere, victory most possibly will be yours. We want our people in our grand finals to, if any game of the year, we just want you to keep at it. Don't give up. And in fact, halftime Josh's game, down by two goals, this was the coach. Don't wait for someone else to do it. This is yours. You take the opportunity. The boys are two goals down, five goals to two next quarter, ran out winners, three goals. But what was amazing, no applause, but what was amazing was, see Josh? New day, no one cares. Uh, but anyway, um, not, not true. Like, we care a lot. Um, we're really proud of you. Anyway, uh, and just to let you know, uh, Maddie, her team won. And Charlotte, yeah, well done, Maddie. Uh, and Charlotte's team lost. And so she's struggling a bit when everyone else won. Anyway, uh, we'll work through that as a family. But again, I was really struck by the power of this one moment to shift something which was heading in that direction. Now got us back on track to the point that we're now pushing on and we're completing the task. We've come to win the grand final. We're going to do it. Lest you become weary and your hearts give up. In a footy game or in a netball game, there are plenty of things that will have you wanting to give up. All during that game. It could be the scoreboard. You know, you take the look up and we're behind. You can't do it. In fact, even in Josh's game, I'm not going to go the whole, whole night about these sports, but um, in Josh's game, it was interesting. They were up by four goals and then the team got... The other team got a goal, but it had no impact whatsoever on the rest of the team because they'd already decided we can't do it. It could be the tiredness. It could be I'm stuffed, I've got no more in me. It could be your opponent's too good. All these things are reasons that we find to say we can't do it. We're not going to do it. We cannot push on. Well, tonight, I want to take you to a part of the Bible Inspired by early conversations with the team here on Sunday night. Uh, and uh, we're going to have a look at a, a part of the Bible called the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Who already thinks they know where we're heading? Hmm. Hmm. It is, look, it, to be honest, if you've been around church for a little bit, then this is one of the most encouraging, popular, stirring passages of Scripture. Let me read it to you. In fact, let me tell you a bit about who it's written to first. So the book of Hebrews is interesting because we don't really know who wrote it. A lot of people think Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote it, but no one's completely sure. We don't even really know who it was written to. A lot of suspicions that it was written to Jewish Christians in Rome. 
I'm 100% sure, but most likely was written in the 60s and 70s AD. <laughs> Great days, remember those. 60 to 70 AD, all right, some 40 years thereabouts after the death of Jesus, was this letter written. And it was written with the intense purpose and the, and the, the purpose of lifting a group of people at three-quarter time, finish off the game. Finish off the game. This is what we read. And as I read it, you may well go, oh, yes, that's right. Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. Who's heard that passage before? Often quoted that to someone to encourage them. Okay. It is. It is, it is, it is a stirring piece of scripture. My job tonight, I believe... I've been sent from an hour away, all right? Because South Road was shut, so it took us a bit longer. Anyway, but you're used to that at Darlington, aren't you? You must love just heading anywhere north, really. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to connect with you at that point. Um, but I think my task today is encourage and to lift the hearts of those. And giving up is a huge word because, see, we don't, even in church world, it's, 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 very, it's language we don't like to use, is it? This has got really hard or what ground are we making or what difference are we making? Is this all worth it? Is it all worth it? Pretty profound words. And I, know, I don't think it matters on age, to be honest. I think it matters how old you are. But those sort of questions, I think, are still very real for us. And I think this passage this today is just to encourage you not give up. Because really, as you, if you listen very carefully, which with the reason that the writer wrote those first four phrases, it is such that you become weary and your hearts give up. The cry of the writer is to say, keep going. Hang in there. And he gives us some little clues. I just want to give you a few clues today about what it is that would encourage us and enable us to continue. To leave off the cloud of witnesses, we're going to finish. Going to finish with that. So we're told to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles, and run the race. Now, what's interesting that Paul's writing to Jewish Christians. So these folks were steeped in the Jewish law, and therefore the Jewish work that it was in order to be right with God. So whenever you read some of Paul's letters, well, many of Paul's letters, and he's speaking to Jewish believers, so much of it's around. Jesus has brought you out, brought you out from under the old law. And in Jesus Christ, all is fulfilled. It is now faith and trust in him that is what makes us right with God. It is his son, Jesus Christ. It is no work. It is no effort. It is no Sunday attendance. It is no incredible biting Bible reading strategy, it is faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so I think there's even a part of us that goes, yeah, but isn't there more? Like, aren't we 
Isn't there a lot of stuff still? And I think the challenge as we grow up in faith is to keep coming back to Jesus. Because the tendency we have is to think we've got to work hard for this. The love of God that, who is it? He's um, the Trinity guy, isn't he? What was his name? The Alpha guy on the screen? Nicky Gumbel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He began with this incredible expression, the love and grace of God. Everything starts there. Nothing starts with us. And so when Paul's writing to this group of new believers, although if you think about it, it's potentially 40 years after Jesus. So some of these might have been going for a little while. And the tendency here is to slip back into how we were. Things of the Jewish law. Maybe some of the sacrificial practices. Maybe back to circumcision. Maybe back to making sure you follow all the feasts. Maybe that sort of stuff. But he's wanting to encourage with who you are now in Jesus. And so it's really interesting that he uses the phrase, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. And in fact, other translations, when you read them, I'm reading from the modern English version, which is apparently a new take on some of the King James version. But some others, if you read it actually literally, it's really interesting. It says more precisely, having laid aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. entangles." You hear the difference? Let us lay aside the sin, versus, or alongside, having laid aside the sin that so easily entangles, now run the race. The impression I think we can sometimes have, and if you're new to Christian faith or you're checking out tonight, I'm sorry to jump straight into um, some stuff which those of us who've been journeying with this for a little bit longer might grapple with a little more. But just hang in there with me if you can. Sometimes we think that sin is the greatest battle we have, and particularly, dare I say, in our early days of faith. I remember as a young man, um, last week actually, uh, but no, um, when I was a young fellow going through Flinders University, I was in the Christian group down there, it seemed like getting up and saying, you're a sinner and it was terrible, but God's so good, he's forgiven me, was the testimony of the time. There was something about acknowledging how bad we were or how we hadn't been reading our Bible, and I don't mean to be flippant about this because there was some very genuine response but this idea that I wasn't doing enough or working enough I wasn't serious enough and I would show you how serious I was by how much Bible reading I was doing or did you do your devotion that sort of stuff and Carolyn you were there at uni days I don't know if that was your experience entirely you're nodding thinking Pete you're on your own there but still um, (laughs) hard to gauge Carolyn and I did study together Um, she was much better than me, much brighter. Anyway, um, but you, you're getting the sense like we, there was this, yeah, it became about the, the stuff that we weren't getting right and the stuff we weren't doing and there was something about having to press harder into the disciplines of the faith. Now, please hear me. I think I'd love to get more discipline and my family would attest to my lack sometimes of discipline. It's not discipline that's going to see us receiving the love of God. Seriously, hear me. And the, the stuff that can encumber us is actually sometimes good stuff. A really interesting turn of phrase. Throw off the things, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. Or having thrown it off, now run the race. The stuff that can encumber us may well be expectations of what we'd love to be. It may well be the next greatest podcast from someone else or church down the road 
or up the hill or in the north of Adelaide that you go, man, if we were more like that. It's, a, it's not a bad thing to look around and see what God's doing, but that can actually be a burden from you running your race. Because this sort of stuff, it actually says the burden, it's like a growth, to be honest. The, the language, the Greek word here is like a growth. You're carrying this extra weight around, trying to run the race, trying to live the life of faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. We're carrying with it good stuff. Can I even say, here, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I know this is being recorded, and some of you may not like me for this. But can I suggest to you, there's a possibility that if the writer of Hebrews was writing to us, he would, could say... Social media could be one of those things that could, I'm just putting, I'm, just, I'm not even sure I'm saying it right, could even be that something that is not inherently bad actually encumbers us, actually restricts us, actually limits us in the race God has. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, actually a better question to say, is this wrong? Like, should I be doing this? Is it wrong? To God, is this the best for me? Is this the best? Is this going to encourage me in my relationship with you? I don't necessarily think that turning it all off is the answer, but even good things can get in our way of running the race. Even our desire to be really good at something get in the way. You've got to understand. Well, you don't have to understand. Sorry, that was a bit, a bit angry of me. This stuff is really subtle, and that's why the sin that so easily entangles, or that stuff which doesn't look like a weight, but enough of it, and it wears us down. Can I say... Living up to someone's expectations of you. Some of you are sitting next to the most spiritual person you know and it bugs you that you're not as spiritual as them. One's looking at the people next to them, which is probably a good thing. But you know what I mean? Folks, we gauge ourselves. You're getting the sense about where we're heading here. This stuff. And this is really self-reflective. And I'm not expecting you to, in the minute, just, in a sense, work through it all because there's something about learning to understand who we are that's a part of the relationship with Jesus Christ that takes us well into our old age and into eternity with him. The stuff that so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that sets before us. Here's the other thing, particularly young folks but older ones too, endurance. I'm not sure many of us signed up yes to Jesus Christ because we wanted a long slow burn. We wanted a marathon. I've got a feeling that many of us, including me, Jesus came into my life in a way that I understood and took hold of. It was like boom time. It's just up and up and up with you from here. Anyone else have that kind of experience early on? Awesome. Have you discovered that it's just not up and up and up? Because he wants to start doing some work in us. That's not about doing incredible things. Although I think we often limit what God's able to do in and through us. But the sense that um, we want it to be quick and done easy. You've got to look at the life of Jesus to realise easy. Uh, sacrifice gets used a lot. Perseverance gets used a lot right throughout the book of Hebrews. Endurance, perseverance. And in fact, I read somewhere just in reading around this passage... Um, that uh, the first, ex- let's see if I can get this because they'll say it much better than I did. Oh, that the word in- endurance is the immediate exercise of faith. Let me just read that again. Um, uh, and let us run with endurance the race that sets before us. Let, let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Tying the, tying the endurance that we are called to express with the endurance that Jesus showed as he heads to the cross for the joy that set before him. But I'll just say that again because it's a pretty profound thought and it had me thinking a lot about it. That endurance is the immediate expression and exercise of faith. I think you and I think that faith is doing something incredible in the moment. Preaching a cracker message that has people leaving going, mate, my life was there and now it's ha ha. Or it's playing a chord or it's leading your mate to Jesus and, you know, or whatever it might be. We tend to think that faith comes in these massive moments and yet what we can be encouraged by here, faith, its immediate expression and exercise is endurance. Endurance. It's the yes when nothing else makes sense. Faith. It's the yes. Nothing else makes sense. It's funny, just the other day, this is not related and I've got to watch my time, but um, I was just reading the other day about the number of times, um, let's see if I get this right in my memory, um, where it says, um, uh, you won't put me to shame. I'm ashamed of the gospel. You've ever heard that phrase? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And it's interesting because the shame, and I, was really, I can't remember what it was in the Old Testament. I'm sorry about that. I know it's being podcast. It's meant to be all precise. But um, there's, a, there's a passage in the Old Testament, you have to trust me on this, um, that, uh, that actually, I realized as I read it, that the shame that was being felt by the writer, and I believe it was David in the Psalms, was that I'm trusting in God and nothing's apparently happening and people are looking at me saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can't you see? God's not real. God's not present. And yet the call was to remain. The call was to wait for God and not give up. Grow weary. Not grow weary. All around that, and I think this is a young person thing, but I reckon there are those of us older here have experienced that same sense from the room you're in of people going, you call yourself a Christian, he's not doing anything. Have you ever, those who are a bit older, can I see a nod? Yeah, people to talk to, folks. Ask him what faith looks like. People say, how ridiculous. So, sorry, that was off the topic. Uh, well, no, it's on the topic, but just went there. Uh, so, uh, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. There it is again. Interesting. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, it's helpful this morning, a lady in our church preached on this passage. That was really helpful uh, because I'm also doing that. And uh, she had a really good point. She was saying how when we talk about this race, now we'll be very quick, but th this is around the marathon kind of race that was run in Paul's day. And, uh, and it was a, a race that you generally ran naked. And so what we'll do now, no. Um, and so... Um, uh, um, and talked about Jesus being the author and perfecter and, and the author being like, uh, being like the coach, the beginning, the, our first, our prototype, the very first one of faith. And that more than just a model to follow, actually the, the, the story was that there was the, um, athletes would have a captain of their team and the, athlete, the captain would run the race and get across the line and then say, come. And so when I heard that this morning, I thought, man, that, I had never really seen that before. That the race we're running is one that Jesus Christ has already run and he's already finished. And now he says, come. Incredible is that? So he's at the finish line, having run the race, having endured and saying, now, come, endure, hang in there. It's going to take all of your life. Fortunately, I'm giving you life. So you've got a lot of it. 
and you're with me forever. Like, but he's run the race. He's finished the race. Your guy thinking, how are we going to finish? He goes, it's all right, I've finished. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Lest you become weary. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and your hearts give up. Do you hear the cry of the writer? I don't want you to let this go. Don't want you to give up. And I don't think he's just, hear me please, I don't think he's just talking about running church and running services. I think he's actually talking about your seven day a week life. He's not saying don't stop having services, but that could be a part of it. But he's saying on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, don't stop trusting me there. Don't stop trusting. In fact, some of us tonight might even want to start trusting him there. This isn't our core business. Well, in a sense, worship is, absolutely. This is to send us out. So let me just finish with a bit because I know we're getting close and we've got a clip to see and a song to sing and stuff. But uh, it was funny. It was three-quarter time in the football game because netball's hard to get around. See, football, you can walk onto the oval, you can stand around, and, of course, we're told not to approach the children because that's the coach's job. You still try and just get in the way of your kid as they walk past because you think you've still got the word they need to hear. Um, yeah. But we're standing there at three-quarter time. They were... I don't know, Josh, you're up, you're up, weren't you? A couple of goals. And, um, and I, I knew I was preaching on this. And we had the team, and then we had every other person and their dog around. You had kids that hadn't made the finals from the younger teams. You had old people of the club, and they're all standing around. And I didn't watch the coach and the boys. I watched the cloud witnesses. Now, not quite the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11, because they'd already lived the life of faith. They already lived the life of faith. A lot of these people around the room, I don't think it really lived that football glory. But still, but I watched them. And I'm not embarrassed to say, I had my glasses on, but I watched them. And when they did that last roar, let's go, finish, let's finish this. Let's finish this. I got a little tear as all the witnesses went, come on, you know. And I thought, that's us. That's us. Young folks, do you know you've got people in this church that pray for you, are literally roaring for you when you go about your day-to-day ordinary school life? I mean, it might be extraordinary. I don't want to talk you down, but you know what I mean. It doesn't our life feel every day a lot of the time. That is a cloud. That's the expression of the cloud of witness today. But we have folks who've gone long before us. It's interesting enough, we actually aren't to look to them hear their roar, we see their example, we, we take from them. They live the life of faith. It's not them we look to. The boys in the team and the girls in the netball and you and whatever you sport, you, don't, you look to the crowd for encouragement, but they're not playing the game. You are. And you look to your coach. Just come on. We got this. Better than a footy team, our coach says, I've got this. So we're going to see a clip just to finish up. And uh, it's a beautiful clip. I saw it a few years ago, and it still packs a punch. Um, and I think it's a, a really based a little more perhaps on the prodigal sort of story. We're going to see a young lady, clearly, who uh, experiences God, and then she goes off in her own way. We're going to see that. But what we're going to see, I think, is very vividly portrayed. Um, the kind of wrestle it is for each one of us. And then we're going to close up with a song. So I just offer this to you as a... Um, yeah, maybe a bit of your story. It is, it's our story. So have a look.
just throws it all off. Beautiful. You know, folks, I, I think it's a very powerful clip. And some of us may have to relate to any element of that. The reality is it's a death to life story. That is our story. It is death to life. But one thing I think the clip perhaps doesn't fully be able to express, just by the nature of it, it can't tell us everything, is something that this passage picks up. And it's a little thing, it's a subtle thing. But let me just read. Therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. The writer of Hebrews could have easily said you. Run the race set before you. Let you. But the language is us. That young lady's experience of Jesus Christ looked like it was her in a room and just some kind of spiritual thing happening but I suspect and for many of us that it's the people of God who keep demonstrating the love of God in whom we see the love of God and so I want to encourage you this morning that whilst we all have a race to run it's very clear you have a race isn't that brilliant it's your race a race marked out for you but I think it is as true to say there's a race marked out for us and in the sense it's for the you guys gathered here today as this community. But faith is not a solo effort. Not a solo effort. So, now we're going to uh, finish up with a song. Um, it's a beautiful song. And uh, yeah, I'm going to just into the middle of it, probably break in and we're going to pray together. But um, yeah, thanks team. I invite you to stand and, and join in if you'd like. I think, I think the second verse, is that one? Uh, you take my fame, is that that one, second verse? Yep, some of that. Okay, cool, we'll sing that one. Um, but today I think there's an opportunity tonight to say I want to walk in that freedom. I don't want to be f- focused on the stuff that I was, the stuff I'm not getting right. I want to focus on you and I want to live in your freedom, Jesus. Some of you tonight, you've already said yes to him, but you're still living as if you haven't. as if you haven't. It's tonight's to walk in the freedom that is Jesus Christ. So while we're singing, uh, everyone will see you because you're coming forward and everyone's looking forward, but that's okay because you're amongst family. It's us here, folks. So if you'll like to step out from where you are, we've got a team here who just love to just be able to lay a hand and say yes, you know, pray for you in that. And two, you might have come along tonight and you want to start running the race marked out for you opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus by trusting Him with your life. And so too, I'd invite you while everyone else is coming out, or it just could be you, but hey, it's, it's alright. Anyway, um, but just come forward while we sing. All my failures, all my weakness. Live in the freedom tonight. I want to run the race that you've marked out for me. So I'll leave it to you. Come forward, the team's ready. Thanks guys. Beautiful.